Hello everyone, welcome back to the Red Army podcast, where today we're going to be looking ahead to Munster's title defending URC campaign, as well as their Champions Cup campaign, ahead of this weekend's season opener against the Hollywood Bet Sharks. Joining Kaylon and I today is our first guest on the podcast. Uh, you'll know him from the excellent Provincial State of Mind podcast. It's Owen Harrison. Hi Owen, how are you? Hey doing, Patricia, how are you doing? Uh, delighted to be invited on and uh, to be part of this. <laughs> Always happy to be a podcast uh, prostitute, I'll call myself. Go anywhere, <laughs> do anything. Always willing to do it for money, of course, in the highly paid podcast circuit that we we attend. Um, and uh, were, you, yeah. were you promised money? <laughs> oh, it's, it's already been transferred into the account. I'm, I'm oh, living right, on money, money and um, little pastries at the moment. Yeah, well, I thought the little pastries thing was a two-way thing now on, but listen... <laughs> We need to get into that at some stage, but I was hoping that would be a two-way thing. I'm still in Paris, so I'm fine for pastries at the moment. But when I'm home, I'll be uh, I'll be hitting them up for pastries. I think we all. I think they're just going to see a boom of lads and ladies in Munster tops going into their local littles, even if it's in England, and just going to the bakery, going. I get a donut this time. Like I don't know. Maybe I'll get a roll, or maybe I'll get a. a but like, cookie. I can I don't know. neither confirm or deny reports that I've been to French Little and <laughs> you sort of raided the bakery section just to see how it compares to Irish Little. I I couldn't I, comment. I get that. It has to be done. It has to be done. We do have to talk about things that aren't little. We're going to look ahead to the season ahead, going Champions Cup and URC. We'll also touch on a couple of players to watch little bit of stylistic, tactical viewpoints as well. But we're going to start tonight with last season, which it needs no introduction, I suppose. Munster, URC champions. More URC titles than any other province, by virtue <laughs> of the fact there's only been two URCs. <laughs> it was sheer perfection. It was it was never in doubt, you could say. But Owen, uh, yeah. I'll, come, I'll come to you <laughs> first. Like on the whole, just with the fact that this it was this coaching ticket's first season like, if you take away the fact they won a trophy, what did you make of the strides that were made last season? I thought they were massive because I think this is something that should have happened seven, eight, maybe even ten years ago for Munster. Um, like you, you go back to the to the the glory years of Munster winning Heineken Cups, and it was based on a the biggest pack that they could find. It was a power pack. They were all pretty much all internationals. And it was based on that. Munster don't, and since the change in structures and pathways, etc., they don't have that that level of forward coming through anymore. And it was persisted with for too long. And like the, the thing that always stood out to me was Rob Penny. He was the, the right man at the wrong time. And he wanted to change what Munster were doing. And it it didn't work for for him and for the style, but he had them playing the right way. And I think finally we're coming back to something that's there that can suit the group of players that Munster have and particularly are coming through, which are skillful young forwards. They may not be the biggest guys out there in terms of uh, the league or even international rugby, but they're they're skillful. They're uh, I think they've got a lot of rugby IQ and the ability to play. And I think the structures and tactics and style that they're bringing in with Prendergast um, on that, 
really suited what they were doing. They were able to move the ball, move to much more on ball, keep hold of it, rather than we saw, like I think under Van Graan, there was there was too much of this trying to kick the ball, trying to put pressure on teams, trying to react to teams and how they were coming at us, rather than setting out the stall and going, this is the way we play. We don't care about what you're doing. We're going to beat you this way. And I think it took a long while for that to work this last season. They had to change their fitness, their conditioning, how they wanted to play um, to get there. Like I remember looking at the early season games last season and they were doing so much in terms of the strength and conditioning side of things and moving that on to what they needed to play on ball. The guys just couldn't hit rocks. They, they actually looked tired. And I think it took so long for that to come in. And it was only towards the end of the season where they got that run of games away from home that it was really there to see how much was it. I'm really excited to see what they can do this season with a proper pre-season in there, a proper season under their belt and the players being used to that structure and tactic. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And we did make that point um, on the last podcast about Graham Roundtree, when we discussed his contract, what was so impressive was at the start of the season himself and Mike Prendergast as well, when he did media, they had so much courage in their convictions and in their tactics. They knew that the end goal that they had in place, they were going to reach it. They knew, like I think Mike Prendergast said at one stage, judge us in January, you know, and that Mm. felt like kicking the can down the road. But you look at, they went to Toulouse, one of the toughest venues in Europe, and played ball with them they didn't just you know shut up shop or whatever they played ball they played some wonderful rugby that day possibly should have won it and like that is exactly what they were saying when they said to to trust the process if you will you you can't really ask for more from a from a coaching team can you no and I think last season even like I had said at the beginning of last season myself I had said you don't even judge Munster in January you judge them in January 2024 where they've had mm-hmm. 18 months to, to sort of to get this right. And I'm still looking forward to seeing where they can be with that. But going back to last season, I think it, it's very much there's pre and post Parky Cueve with the with yeah. the box game. And those are stark differences. And I think when you when you look back at it, that game had an awful lot to do with how Munster were changed their season I think number one because of the the momentum it built but also number two because it gave them the break to work with the players during that sort of the autumn international window that they could work with the players and bed it in more and I think that that was an important part of it as well and only two was it maybe three backs if you if you take attack for an instance only three backs were in the Ireland squad that month and I'm pretty sure Calvin Ash got released um, yeah. before the before the Australia game, so you're talking a full, nearly a full month. And when they actually came back, I think it was it was Connacht first, I believe, at home. They actually looked way more coherent in that game as well. You know, when they they got a dry night, it actually looked so much better. Um, I do want to focus in on that period for a minute because Patricia, I know you're at the final, so it's easy to say, yeah, I oh, I always knew we were going to get there. <laughs> you know, the tickets booked in September or whatever. But I definitely did not have the tickets booked. No, <laughs> but when the chips were down, did you think they were going to go on that run? Like, I know I didn't. No, I do. I think anybody who says that they that they did think that is actually lying. Like, there's there's nobody who was saying 
you know, after the, that first seven games that Munster were going to go all the way. I think I never thought it was as bad as a lot of people were making out that it was. Like, because it, you were. It never I, is. Yeah. It's never as bad and, as people make it out to me. And like you were saying, Owen, like we, we all knew that this was, that they were starting something new and they never took a backward step with it. They never went, right, let's play the way that you're all used to playing because we need to win a couple of games. Like they kept going with what they were doing. And you could tell that even when they were playing really poorly, that it was going somewhere. It wasn't just, they weren't just playing poorly. It was for a reason. So I never thought it was like panic, you know, first year of a new head coach. Like did did we pick the wrong coach kind of thing? But I don't think I don't think anybody thought it was going to end up, you know, winning away in Glasgow, winning away in Dublin, winning away in Cape Town. Like I think you'd you'd have been locked up if you'd have suggested that in October. Absolutely, and like even the fact that I I looked into it before the Glasgow game, that was Munster's first away knockout game in in the domestic league since like two thousand and three or two thousand and four. Granted, not mm-hmm. every year had knockouts, and sometimes they're at home. I understand that. But that you're talking about all the times they lost to Leinster to Glasgow. Um, there was one or two other places like the Ospreys that they lost away to. They weren't winning away knockout games. Then they beat yeah. Glasgow, who hadn't lost at home in a year at that stage. They beat Leinster, who hadn't lost a home in a year at that stage. And the Stormers, who had an unbeaten run snapped by Munster. Like it's it is the stuff of fairy tales in some way. And like I, I I forgot to, to actually write this down, which is absolutely fantastic podcast hosting skills. But I do want to talk about that middle block and, and all that as well. Um, Like, Owen, as we said, they did start to turn that corner. That January game at Toulouse is one of those games, that kind of Six Nations period where they looked really, really sharp. I suppose, was there anything that you've seen when they, when they were starting to get things going that, that stood out in particular? Or was it just a case of execution errors were going down and the quality just improved as as a result i i think it was it was that as we talked about i think it was once you got past sort of the the parky cueve things started to click but it wasn't it wasn't uh fluid i suppose is the best way i could say it at times it was stop start and you but you were always you were always aware that Munster could open up and suddenly start playing and they could put together, a, you know, a 10 or a 15 minute spell and get a couple of tries. And it, w- it was always there. The, the threat was there. I think the big one then for me was like the, where they had the belief, they had the things like the, the win up in um, Raven Hill, you know, where, where they, they got the, the kick at the, the very last uh, kick of the game, wasn't it, with um, Crowley putting it over, even though the the, the conversion was nearly charged down. Um, you know, you had that, where the belief started to come from. I think the real, I, at a point, thought that they weren't going to qualify for Europe. And I, I think yeah. I didn't have doubts about the coaching ticket. I had doubts about how long it would take them to bed in their their systems and their processes into it I still I I always thought that was the case but it I think the real one that sort of put doubt in my mind was the Sharks game for the mm. the Heineken Cup yeah and that was the one where you went geez you know look they can't live with the physicality of the bigger teams and you were sort of thinking that's the same problems that we've seen before and yeah. you were sort of like how are they going to get around that and, and like a bit of a ceiling kind well, of, of of sorts, like 
Yeah, I think so. And like whether, as again, I, w- I would have been happy to see them go on and take another 12 months to get to that point where they needed to be to be in contention for a final. Um, with it, I think they've one of the problems that they'll have is that they've set expectations very high, very early. Mm. And like, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, I'm sure. But I mean, like, that's going to be one of their biggest problems this year is that, you know, now you're champs, people are coming at you. Yeah, like nobody, yeah, nobody was looking at them last year, you know, a team who were at at, at a low ebb, I'd say, like towards the tail end of Frank Ron's time and like a brand new coach coming in. I don't think anybody was looking at them in any serious way. And then the, the games, the first few games went the way they went. And like my worry with it was by the time that we that we got to, you know, the away, the first Sharks game, the Europe one and the Glasgow game in Thoman Park, that everything that those losses had come, you know, the sacrifice that had been made for what was being built towards, that that would like, that that couldn't sustain over a full season. And it's like, you've sort of wasted the season then. Obviously that ended up not being the case because they sort of got a second or third wind um, in in the end. But I remember like leaving Thoman Park that day after that Glasgow game, it was just the the weirdest. I've never felt like that leaving Thomas Park before. It was, it was awful. It was yeah. horrible. And it's really, really strange to think because that game was in March. It's really strange yeah. to think that this weekend's game um, against the the Sharks is the you know just the first competitive match in Thomas Park since then. It's yeah. been an absolute eternity since it, like that game feels like a different universe. And that that's what stung about that game was the fact that it was the la- Monsters' last game of the se- home game of the season, mm. and it was in March. It was the week after Ireland won a Grand Slam, and I think Dave Kilcoyne was on the bench, and to Gavin Coombs maybe played that game. A couple of lads that were in the Ireland squad were involved that game, and Craig nobody Casey thought was. that you know nobody really thought at that point that we were going to see knockout games with Munster in them because, like yeah, I said, like especially we were not at home. You know, we were still facing into um like will this team qualify for the Heineken Cup next season? So I remember leaving Thoman Park and we stand sort of in the same place in the East Terrace for all the games and there's always the same people who always stand around you. So you end up with a little gang. We're all sort of East Terrace friends. And we were, we were, we all just looked at each other afterwards. We were like, We'll see you next season, I guess. Yeah. We ended up being humped by Glasgow and we're just gonna not be here now until like November or whatever. So it was really strange, but obviously you know, you don't really think about that one now. That's not the Glasgow game that sticks in the mind. No, no, absolutely. And it's funny, Owen, you mentioned the, the Sharks game. I actually had a weird feeling that we'd beat the Sharks away because, again, take a shot if you are if you listen, because we're going to say a lot. Access Monster came out a few weeks afterwards and then they had, it was almost subtle in the way they did it. They just, just had temperature for every day they were in South Africa. And it jumped by like 10 degrees in two days or 15 degrees in two days. I was like, maybe we'll get lucky and we'll get a nice evening against the Sharks and it won't be the same type of game. It wasn't the same type of game as we know. But Munster did fall into an early deficit and had to claw it back and should have won the game if they actually did what they do nine times out of ten and score from close range with Gavin Gooms or or um, Tyke Byrne or someone. It was it was remarkable how, how things changed and I suppose then, like, we we roll on. You go to Glasgow to win that game was huge. I didn't give us much of a chance against Leinster. I thought Leinster would just get the job done. I know I had tickets and I was beaming with excitement and everything. I still thought Leinster would win. And then once that happened, you just kind of felt like, yeah, we're going to beat the Stormers, aren't we? Like, it's amazing how, how the season just flipped so quickly. 
Mm. I think the the Leinster game was was a bigger one for me because okay, I looked at the side that we put out against Glasgow and I said okay they perform we can do that and they went well, but then you looked at the Leinster game and you looked at the players that were missing. So you had like wasn't it Snyman was missing Fekatoa. Yeah. Um, then Healy went off early in that game as well. O'Mahony was sort of playing with one arm. Um, uh, you had uh, Nash, Nash wasn't Nash. playing either. Murray Mike, wasn't Mike playing. Mike Healy was out on his feet in the last couple of minutes and still yeah. prevented Tommy O'Brien from scoring a game winner try. I still don't know how he did that. I was, was fr- I was in front of it and I still don't know how he got there in front of him considering he had his hand under his hips about five minutes beforehand. He was absolutely out of it and then goes up the field and makes the charge down on Nick McCarthy that causes the skewed kick in the last minute that goes straight into Jack Crowley's hands. Like when you talk about the old Munster way being harsh and everything, Mike Haley was one of those who epitomizes in that game. <laughs> Do you know, as much as we don't usually say fullbacks, but he was definitely one. I think the one of one of the big moments in the, in that semi-final for me was um Crowley carrying that ball back into Harry Byrne. Oh, yeah. In, in the in, last two, with, with change as well. <laughs> <laughs> he, he used them as a speed bump in that. In and two, that, through, that, over. You can literally, Harry Byrne just slowed him down. And that's the only thing that you can say. Because, and to me, that was that was one of the pivotal points. There was loads of pivotal points in that sort of thing. If you look at those last sort of four or five minutes of play, where like Munster are back in their own line and they're suddenly, you know, playing barbarian style rugby to get it out as much as they can. But that one thing with Crowley was it was to me it was almost a changing of the guard. Because mm-hmm. I think if Leinster go on and win that with Harry Byrne, I think Harry Byrne is the third choice out half that goes on the rugby world cup squad. Oh, what a dark timeline. There's, no there's a good chance of, I, there's a good chance of it though. Like like winners right history. Do you know Jack Crowley yeah. goes up and not only that, like I actually felt and this is no disrespect to Jack Crowley because, like, nailed the kick, he nailed everything about it. But even how Craig Casey managed those last five minutes, like, mm-hmm. if Conor Murray does that, we're like, oh, it's vintage. Like, Craig isn't isn't exactly that old either. He's only twenty four, and he handled that like an absolute pro as well. That's it. And like, you go back to like that one thing with with Crowley over Burn, that affected the kickoff, which gave Munster the scrum afterwards. I think that was a huge sliding doors moment. Which, which yeah. Alex Kendellen then bounces Liam Turner as well. Yeah. Like, again, the it's the scrum. younger, it's the younger player standing up and saying, "I'm not losing this game." Whereas you know before, it's like yeah. I was at this game and I must have watched it like three or four times since then. But I feel like you're talking about a game I didn't watch. Like <laughs> I, there's such a weird like thing in my mind of like it was such a weird special moment that I can't get it to like stick in my. I can only remember how I felt. I can't remember anything that happened. The final is kind of the same. Like I've seen the final, you know. A thousand times, and it, I'm like, I don't even know what happened in the final. I, I John Hodden had scored, and I immediately got like 87 messages from people being like, Patricia, John Hodden has just scored. I'm like, yeah, no, I know, I, I'm watching them, like, I'm here, don't worry. <laughs> I know it's a big stadium, but I can still see it. <laughs> um, I, I remember it so after the Glasgow game, I had a, a eight o'clock in the morning flight the following day to come home. Which, look, in hindsight, I've definitely made smarter decisions, but um, I was through security in Glasgow airport and Alan Quinlan walked past and I had my Munster coat, I had my stuff with me. So I just, I just said to him, oh, Quinny, that was, that was some match, wasn't it? And it's like, you know, half six in the morning or whatever. I'm barely even awake. And I said, you yeah, know, wasn't that great? And he went, 
ah yeah it was but look they'll get fucking murdered by Leinster next week <laughs> and I was like well good morning to you too I really hope you're having a nice day and we actually happened we happened on him on this is this is so, so you know stupid but we happened on him on top of Table Mountain down in Cape Town uh, the day the day of the final and I went up to him and I said Quinny do you remember when uh, you said to me in Glasgow Airport that we were going to lose to Leinster well like that didn't age very well because we're kind of stood on top of Table Mountain at the moment and to be fair to him, he was really good sport about it. He was like, yeah, I got that one wrong. You know, we're, we're here now. <laughs> and I just like nobody, nobody thought that, especially with the injuries, but like everyone sort of thought that Glasgow versus Munster was just this, you know, just the decider to see who was going to lose to Leinster in in the semi-final. And I, th- I think, you know, the Stormers players thought it as well. And nobody really... Not that nobody gave Munster a chance. I think by then people had clued into, you know, they seem to be on a bit of a run here. But nobody really thought that it was going to, it would actually go all the way. And I, I think one one of the things you mentioned there was like the younger players that came into it, right? Mm. I think there was a real thing within sort of Roundtree's thing. It was next man up. Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't matter what age, how much experience you had. You were in there, like like you talked about there with Kendlin off the back of the scrum. It was it was the likes of Kendlin. It was like Salanoa, um, you know, uh, even Finian Witcherly, um, you know, was was coming off the bench. He was so good in that semi final when called mm-hmm. upon. Those sort of guys were coming through. Guys that you wouldn't necessarily have down as being sort of key players. And it was ne- next guy up consistently there. And I think that shows to me a bigger sort of buy-in from the entire squad into this. It's not just the guys that it suits. Like, Jesus, you, you look at um, Stephen Archer. There's one guy that I had on the, the chopping block for retirement, maybe two or three seasons ago even, saying it was time. And suddenly he's coming out and now he's an absolute baller of a tight head prop. I mean... Yeah. I don't think anyone's that common. Yeah. My president. I love Stephen Archer. <laughs> Absolutely. Will we move into this season now or is it, will we get another couple of minutes out of last year? I, do, I just want to live in in last season forever. See, like I just sort of forget the bit where it was going really badly. And I just think about Parky Cueve and I just think about the, the last season. Bit started of the season. in Parky Cueve. It started that 100%. I've never come closer. I've My best friend, we've been friends for our entire lives and the the only time we've ever even nearly fallen out with each other was that night after that game in Parky Cueve because we were walking back in the rain and it was miserable and we got lost and we were and I and I was delighted and she was less delighted and I was like we ended up walking sort of you know 10 foot away from each other because we just couldn't talk to each other anymore that's those are the memories it's all about we will start with this season, so and will we go block by block? I feel like is a is a good way to do it, just because the the way the URC is properly laid out, like the great league that it is. Of course, um, Munster start with seven straight URC games, which starts with that Sharks game on Saturday evening. Um, own looking at Munster's opening couple of games, yeah, there's there's gonna be question marks over the availability of our our World Cup contingent. But what would you like to see out of Munster for? For how they start the season. Um, well, I suppose first of all, I think similar to maybe Connacht last year, I think this is the toughest block for Munster. 
to face mm-hmm. because you've got what is it you got got seven games there in in the opening one you've got to face the top four from last year in that yeah, block. I have it here. So it's Sharks at home, Benetton away, Dragons at home, Ulster away, Stormers at home, Leinster away, and Glasgow at home. And like that yeah. is that is a hefty block of games there. Exactly. You're you're facing the top four and you're facing the top two in the league standings from last season away from home. So you're facing Ulster, Interpros, Ulster and Leinster away. I think out of those seven Maybe you try win your home games and maybe sneak the Benetton away game. Try, I think best best out of that you're going to get maybe five wins. Um, in in terms of results, that's what I'd be looking for Munster. I think that would be a really good result for Munster to get five wins out of that. Take the take the points and sort of move on to the to the second set. In terms of what they want to get out of it, they're going to be missing some of the big names from that, as we said from from the World Cup. Um, I think you're you're looking at someone like really like Joey Carberry has to refine his form, has to step up and be the leader of of that team and take it from from ten. Um, and you want to continue that style and that evolution of tactics and with the team this season and continue that on. Um, and as we talked about sort of towards the end of last season, these young guys. It's a real chance for them now to lay down markers and start to to stake claims for spots because I think one thing Roundtree hasn't been sort of shy of is saying if you're if you're good enough and you're playing well enough you'll get game time. And to be fair, like even if you look at it in a an Irish prism as well, like Ronan Keller and Caelan Doris weren't the players they were this time four years ago, but they started the twenty nineteen season unbelievable for Leinster, got themselves into the main. The, the main European team save, if you, if you want to call it that, um, made their Ireland debuts in the spring. There's no reason why the likes of, say, an Alex Kendellan or, um, I'm trying to think of another good example, maybe even Calvin Nash, I know he's capped, but lads like that, where there might be a gap come spring, if they get off to a fast start, you never know. Like, form is, is a wonderful thing. And, like, yeah, obviously, I mean, Joey even players like, Players like Tom O'Hearn and, you know, even someone like Edwin Adogbo, I know he's still in the academy, but we saw, you know, any in any game that he played last season, how special a player he is clearly going to be. And he's even bigger now than he was then. So I do think that there are spaces there for, for players to come through. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, the, the sort of old heads in the Ireland squad are, are not going to be there forever. Absolutely. And it's it's it'd be interesting to see to see which way it goes in terms of those lads as well because say like I'm I'm trying to think of who the oldest lads obviously Johnny Sexton comes to mind but you know maybe Bundyaki isn't in an Ireland shirt after after the World Cup so maybe he's won so maybe you could say I know it's a, it's a stretch but maybe Jack Crowley is a twelve you never know like. Maybe they, could give Ant- Maybe they could give Antoine Frisch a cap so that I could sleep at night. <laughs> There's that too. There's that too, of course. Um, Patricia, like this was Munster's worst block last year. Mm-hmm. But I know Owen said like it's it's obviously a big one in terms of who they play and it's going to be their toughest one. But it's also kind of the least important. But the last two URC champions have just come good at the right time as opposed to being flat track bullies in, in November like other teams have been. Like, would you be confident of a fast start or would you just be maybe steering away from the results, I suppose? 
I think obviously it's hugely reassuring to know that you can lose five of your opening seven games and still win the league. But I don't think that we'll see that from Munster this season. I think it would be much more disappointing this season than it was last season because there's much less of an excuse for it. I think that they will hit the ground running in a way that they, for obvious reasons, didn't do last season. Um, I think like Owen said earlier, you know, they've had a full season of playing and training this way. They've had a full, their first full preseason. I know that some of the squad are not there, of course, because of the World Cup, but they've they've had a full preseason, this group, and They've had the three preseason matches. I think that we'll see the the faster start for them. And I think that we will, I, I mean, maybe I'm overly optimistic and maybe I'm still high on the, the last, you know, the end of last season. But I think that we'll see five, maybe even six wins here, if not the full seven. I think that Munster will come out the blocks sort of raring to go. And I don't know, you know, what other teams will be able to live with them in a way. That's a that's a bold prediction. Early doors, especially that, that is a bold. Like, we, I'll go yes. for six. Then I'll go for six wins. <laughs> okay. That's only that's only one more than five. <laughs> I know, but like Munster, I said last week, the Munster have been losing every preseason game since I was young. It feels like it feels like they lose in Ravenhill every second year at the bare minimum as well. Like, but like we what, won last but... year and the year before. <laughs> Being realistic about it, though, what teams there can they not beat? You know, they beat Ulster away last season. They beat Leinster away last season. They beat the Stormers. They, they've they never lost to the Stormers. You know, they beat Glasgow. And, like, the Dragons are probably the biggest challenge. I mean, we saw what happened the last time Munster played the Dragons. Don't forget Rainbow Cup champions with Benetton. Rainbow Cup champions. Benetton, to be fair, that's... If I was calling six wins if you made me pick like which one do you think that they'd not win I think that that one could be a sticky game for Munster they're a sticky team to play Benetton especially in their in their home stadium um but I'm making the trip to that one so I'm not going to call a loss there what was that one I think it was like 40 to 30 last year so awful maybe, game maybe not more of the same um that's too too close to the premiership for my life <laughs> I, I want to touch on, on Europe, if you don't mind as well, because I'm not even proud of this, but like the jo- the joke that comes to mind is like the European format is like your final, final draft version 2.5 of like the format. Nobody actually knows what's going on at this stage. Like genuinely. There's it's a hateful, pools. hateful format. Like there's 16 pools and you don't play one of them and you play the rest of them once. Like it's just absolute cause wallop of a thing like imagine having a competition as good and as worldwide renowned and as important as the Heineken Cup and reducing it to this it's unbelievable if there's one thing that we can definitely blame the English and French for with recency bias it's the new Champions Cup (laughs) if in doubt blame the English that's what that's the official message of this podcast going forward Uh, well this one definitely or Leinster yeah English or Leinster Oh, that's a slippery slope because next, <laughs> thing, next thing we'll be blaming the, the other provinces as well to make it even and and whatnot, but not us. We're 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 the golden child of Irish rugby. Everyone knows that. I do want to just point out the fixtures for people who may not know it. So it's starting with Bayon at home before traveling to. Can I say a depleted Exeter? Considering all the players they've lost over the summer, and then in January, maybe one that you should have looked at booking if you haven't already. A trip to Toulon, south of France in January is not too bad. 
And then Northampton, for what feels like the 300th time in the last 20 years, own like this is a favorable pool. Like, what is the aim here? Because, okay, I'm not going to ask you how it's going to work with round of 16 because they don't even know themselves. But what's the aim for the actual pool stage itself? Yeah, Owen, explain the format there. (laughs) No, that's cruel. Yeah, the format is no one knows. They've just given you four fixtures. It's immoral, so it is. It's immoral. (laughs) They'll run some sort of algorithm that'll figure out who we play. And we'll get to lose again. Yeah. Um, No, look, I think overall, I think within the European format, if they don't figure out how to get something workable, now that they've lost that extra week that the French, uh, or sorry, game week that the French won't give back. I think unless they figure out something that is tangible, that goes back more towards the way it was or develop something that's actually agreeable to the fans and the clubs, I can actually see the this sort of European Cup diminishing completely in, in that it becomes almost like a British and Irish Cup in the next five years. I, I honestly can see thing the URC is starting to take off in such a way that the URC will end up being far more important to the Irish teams and will flip from the way it was seen previously, where the Celtic League was just a build-up to allow you to play in Europe. It's, I think it's more competitive. Like That's kind of the bottom line. It's a more competitive structure than Europe, where essentially you could get Pox lucky and have, say, a Gloucester who don't want to be there and my apologies if if Ed from the from the uh, Cherry Jam podcast listening, but they didn't want to be there last year when they played Leinster. Whereas Munster got a Northampton team who were like, we're not going to beat La Rochelle's. We're going to put all our legs into winning in Thoman Park. Like, it's just I, completely all over the place. There used to be a rule. For people who don't remember, there used to be a rule. The you If you were seen degrading the competition by putting out weak teams, you could be fined. Like, that is the stage that we're at 10 years on. That we're literally just laughing at Gloucester. Well, it's not even that I think you, you mentioned there like that Gloucester didn't want to be there. I don't think it's that Gloucester didn't want to be there. I think it's that Gloucester figured out, okay, we're playing week in, week out. This format of a competition means we only really like you take what was it, Connacht qualified for the thing? Was it one win and a couple one of bonus win. points? That was the year before last, but yeah. Year year before. It was one win and a couple of bonus points. If you win two games, so if you target your two home games, you can get through to the knockouts. And as Munster have proved, you don't necessarily need to be at home advantage to get on and win a trophy. So I think teams have gone, okay, I can rest my players for this week. We'll send, as the French teams used to do, we'll send the S-bars up, up, you know, wherever they need to go and we'll let them um, get slaughtered. And then when, when they come back the following week, we'll be fresh and we can target that specific game. The format is flawed. For Munster, I think it's three wins. I think you you win your two home games, you target the Chiefs away. Anything you get out of Toulon is sort of bonus territory. Three yeah. wins should guarantee pretty much guarantee you a home um knockout game which fulfills what Munster need as well, which is sort of the security of the income from a from a knockout game. Yeah which was absolutely. something that was badly missing last season. Yeah, absolutely. It was affecting, like, the rumour was it was affecting things because when you can't plan for having that money, it is it does change the shape of Everton. And it probably worth noting as well, you look at Exeter, Toulon, Northampton, Bayonne, Glasgow, and ourselves, 
Okay, I'm not going to self-anoint us as, as one of the best teams in Europe already. I'll do that at, at another point of the season. But like Toulon, Glasgow and Exeter, especially at home, Northampton, especially at home, not a lot between those teams. So you could get an instance where three wins will see you top by virtue of the fact that everyone is, could possibly beat everyone in that pool. There could be a lot of teams ending up on, on two wins, as you said, which is probably what teams will target. Like Bayonne are definitely just going to target two wins at home and they'll try and bait the living crap out of you because they're Bayon, but sure, be a bit of crack like, but that's, that could be a huge factor for Munster that by the time they go to Toulon, they might be like, well, no other team has won two games about us, potentially. Yeah. I think, I think that that's a, that's a really good point. I think, look, if they can, if they can get their three wins, get out of there, you look at that sort of same period, they have Leinster at home and Connacht away sandwiched in between those two interpros again you'd want you'd want to be thinking that they're going to look to win their their home games Connacht away is a game I think that they'll they'll want to target Probably yeah look I'm teams. sorry like Munster are reigning URC champions I cannot stand in the home park at St. Stephen's Day again and leave there being just really upset by just a narrow loss like the, we, there has to be a point where you start winning the stupid home interpro against Leinster the, the only thing is though if Munster don't run Leinster to the last minute in the was it Stevens' day last year? I feel like it wasn't Stevens' day, but anyway, Stevens' day, Leinster won by one point. Yeah, like that was huge for their season, though, because yeah, they know, know it, it literally came better. down to a couple of mistakes. You know, would have been better if they'd have won though. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have had the chance to beat Glasgow in, in Glasgow, which was way sweeter than beating them at home ever would have been. <laughs> <laughs> like I watched it in college with with two mates, and they couldn't get over how excited I was by going fourteen 0 up against Glasgow after ten minutes because. It's just different. It's a different type of rivalry. It's very mm-hmm. different. And but then we might need them to do us a favor in Europe and beat teams as well because we don't. Play I them. don't. I don't think that Munster will need to rely on other teams this not season. Re- not rely, but you know, if they can no, help, but I don't, help us out. <laughs> I think that, like, I, I don't. I don't want to come off as like just like blindly optimistic, but I think that you know, Munster had the start to the season that they had last season and came through and won the whole thing. And I think that it's you know, there's no point in not expecting them to kick on. Like we, yep, you know, that's, that's that's what they should be doing. There's no, there's no talking about Munster now like, like the nearly team, like the sort of, the team that makes up the numbers in the semifinals, but isn't actually there to do anything. Like, I don't think that Munster are that team anymore. I think that last season proved that. And I think that they should be looking to go one further this season. It's, it's certainly in Europe, certainly with the, the format the way it is and you know the run that they could potentially have there and I just on on that then like I, I might get everyone's predictions for Europe I might just park Europe here but Patricia come to you first like if once we get out of the pool and they should be getting out of the pool at the very least like four teams get out of six out of six again like, what <laughs> but <laughs> And provide, stupid format and providing we don't play Toulouse in yet another knockout game what is the aim like can Munster go all the way to the final in in Spurs yeah in yeah Spurs. yeah I think so I think that Munster owe to lose one and I know that that doesn't really mean anything in professional sport but I think there's been too many too close games against Toulouse that haven't gone Munster's way over the last few years the next one has to be theirs and I I have had this feeling for a while that Munster will be in that that final. I think that 
I think I I I don't know. I think maybe it's because I love the idea of Monster playing La Rochelle because I think that Monster could be a bit of a nightmare team for La Rochelle in in theory, and we haven't really we haven't seen that. You know, this Monster against this La Rochelle, I would love to see that matchup, and I think that seeing it in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium would be super. And you know, La Rochelle are going to get their sort of annual win over Leinster finished in the pool stages this year, so we won't have to wait around until the final for that. So maybe Munster can can sneak into that final. But I think that they're good enough. I think they're absolutely good enough. I think they proved that last season and I, I don't see, you know, I don't think yeah. that there's any team in Europe that they are that they would be particularly afraid of this season. I yeah, think for Munster, I think for, for Munster, so much has to go right for them over the oh, season. Yeah. In, in, and particularly in terms of injury, because you look at it like you've got Salanoa who's out, what, till New Year. New Year. Yeah. Mike Haley as yeah. well. You know, and th- there's certain things there. Munster can't afford to have those injuries. They almost have to have a clean bill of health to their sort of top 25 players that they want yeah. to go toe-to-toe with the top. I think Munster is still in tier two of European sort of teams. I think you have your top level where you have the likes of Leinster, La Rochelle, probably Toulouse in there. I think Munster are just below that. And I think this will be a season where they have to prove that they have taken that step. But I think overall there's there's depth problems within the squad itself. I think there are quality problems, particularly within the front row, that have to be addressed um, to be considered a top team there and for Munster to have a proper crack at it they would need absolutely everything to go their way I think to, to get in there I can see them getting to a sort of a quarterfinal a semi-final quite easily because I think they have that quality but it depends as you said who they come up against if they got caught with a Leinster or a La Rochelle in the early knockout games or even maybe a Toulouse again you know that could be a very different thing where it could end much uh, a little bit earlier yeah and probably you mentioned the scrum, and again, I don't have stats to mind, and people may say I'm talking rubbish. Probably one of the better teams to get then would be maybe Saracens, because they were completely changed to the cleaners by the Ospreys at set-piece last year. Now, I understand the Ospreys, very, very good set-piece team under Toby Booth, but that's probably their weak link. They can play brilliant rugby and they can overpower you. But if Munster's weak link is set-piece, it's probably a little bit of a lever. They're probably one of the teams... I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's a it's a flaw, but you know what I what I mean. If it's not tier one level, as at I think, I think when when I talk about front row and things like that, I think well, number one is you you talk about set piece, um, and and that's that's a given. But I think overall, Munster are not don't have the same impact from their front row players that the likes of a. Leinster or a La Rochelle can get out of it, and that's not just at the scrum because the one of our favorite sayings is the scrum only matters when it matters, right? Mm. There's only there's very few scrums that will truly sort of matter within a game. You can get beaten and it does in the scrum and you can give up penalties. Generally, you can get away with it. As we've seen, Andrew Porter is the poster boy for that. Um, right? But when you get into Quite it... Quite literally, actually, according <laughs> to work up posters. I yeah. loved that poster because they had him in 90 degrees in that scrum and there's no way that wasn't on purpose. I do agree with what you're saying, Owen. I think that there are like question marks in a, in a good way, like in a positive sense, over 
some of those monster front row players. Like you said, Salah Noah's injured at the moment, but like, you know, I don't think that any, I don't think anyone, you know, there's no science that can account for the seasons that John Ryan and Stephen Archer both had last season. And like, Josh Witchley has the potential to kick on. We've seen Jeremy Lachman do the same, Dermot Barron. Like, I think that there are players there who are, who potentially could rise up to that on their day. Um, and and I, like... I just look at that, that, I look at the list of the front rows that Munster have, and there is not a single one of them there that would be even considered close to a starting international. Yeah, that was that was the kind of point that I was really badly making, I should say. Um, I'd agree there. I think, like, lo- no disrespect to any of them, but realistically, Leinster, Porter, Kelleher, Furlong, Toulouse's by Marchand, and oh, who's the tight head? Is that Gary or is he the loose head? Which loose? Charlie Famina. No. Charlie Famina. Yes, apologies. Um, Larachelle's. Um. I'm having so many blanks. Is this slap? Anyways, Boucherie and Antonio. Yeah, like look, Monster don't have it. Monster yeah, don't these have are lads, Antonio. Yeah, these lads walk into nearly every international team. And that's probably the discrepancy of tier one versus tier two. And I do agree. I actually think tier two is massive in Europe. I think there's ourselves, Saracens, maybe Stormers at home. I think probably one of the French teams, like remember Bordeaux went on a good run a couple of years ago. Bordeaux actually, potentially. Now they've signed Damien Benno to go with Jalibert and Wokey and Lusu and all these lads. Um, I think there's probably a good chunk in that batch. And you never know. As you said, luck could be a huge part of it. Like yeah, the I think Stormers there's a lot of, a lot of probably got unlucky like, last year because they had to go to Exeter. Yeah, but they don't they didn't really care either, though. That's the thing. No, like, but if they, if they had storage. them at home, I think they'd have they'd have won that game. Pretty convincing. I do yeah, I think there's a lot up in the air with Europe. And I, I but I, like I'm going to say that Munster have it in them to get to that final. And sure, once you're in the final, who knows what will happen? Like that's that's one game and one day kind of thing. Um, I yeah, I th- do think that they have to be lucky, but I think luck is a huge part of any team going on any sort of a run. So, and I think Munster are due some good luck because we saw enough games where Sean Clayne was the only second row playing in the, in the thing. So, who knows? Who knows? I mean, who knows? That that's that's sort of all you say in any preview, really. Like, who knows? I don't like I don't it's it's definitive but it's exactly how we feel who knows just in a word so uh Patricia come to you first where Munster finish in Europe oh um oh I'm gonna say first fuck it who cares <laughs> I like it on what are you uh, quarterfinal or semi-final depending on on who they get in the draw that's not one word <laughs> Okay, so top eight at the bare minimum, potentially top four. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I'm going to say, I have a weird feeling. Remember you said Munster, Larishel and Spurs? I have a weird feeling of Munster, Larishel and Cork. I don't know why I can't. I feel like that's just too romantic. But mm. to be fair, losing to Larishel and Cork would be quite the spectacle at the very least. Um, And listen, we're going to get a European game of Cork at some stage. So why not now? <laughs> Do you know, why not now? We'll... um. Okay, so that's Europe done. We've the start of the URC done. Now for the back half, but I want to just get into a little bit of tactics with you on a small bit and not to dumb it down or anything, but I feel like Munster in their, their path to the final and maybe from um February onwards, 
they kind of proved how important cohesion was to their team because when they got weekly games or when they got consistent running games, they looked like a far better team. Would you like to just touch on kind of how their style is important to getting that run of games? And you look at, say, March to June now this year, it's going to be like if Munster go on a run, they actually could be better for it than chopping and changing and in and out and, and all that. Yeah, well, look, I, I think some of this will come down sort of March to June block. You, you've you got sort of, we'll, we'll take it, you've got the Crusaders game in the middle of the Six Nations. And then you're mm-hmm. coming on to sort of Scarlet's. Like, if, if you list them out, you've got Scarlet's away, Zebra home, Osprey's away, Cardiff home. you got the trip to South Africa with the Bulls and Lions. you got Connacht home, Edinburgh away, and Ulster home. That's a nice run of games, right? Um, you know, you're facing a lot of the Welsh teams who are in big problems at the moment in terms of their squads, their playing style, uh, you know, their players who's under contract, simple things like that. Now, I know they'll have time to bed that in and figure things out a little bit, but they have huge problems within Welsh rugby. We face a lot of those. We have Zebra away, which again should be our five pointer. You're, you're facing the, Sort of maybe the two toughest games there are probably the the interpros you've caught, con- but you're both at home for Connacht and Ulster. In that, I think there is the chance that Munster could build a lot of momentum within that. And as you talked about, some of that's going to some of that's going to come from the cohesion within it, and a lot of that may depend on what happens with the Six Nations, and some of that could be coming out of the World Cup as well, because I think should things go wrong this weekend and Ireland lose against the All Blacks, is Farrell under more pressure to stick with what he has? Or if Ireland progress within to the World Cup onto, you know, semi-final, final, win it, whatever way that goes, does that give him more leeway to restart things and build sort of post-Sexton era within the the uh, sort of the Six Nations? And he could go and maybe you'll see a lot more Munster players being added into that. And I think a lot of it could depend on what, Ireland do within the Six Nations, how many Munster players are involved. We've been lucky in terms of, from a Munster point of view, that we haven't had too many in the Six Nations and they haven't had to be rested. And particularly this year, when you take into account the the international players, they're at the World Cup, they're going to play very little games, they'll probably come back into that sort of second block for Europe and then they're mm-hmm. going to go into the Six Nations again and then be rested afterwards. So the less players that we have in that, the more cohesion that can be built. We'll look at it tactically then in terms of what they're trying to do. They should be bedded in at that point. But it depends like whether, you know, is Jack Crowley going to be the Irish number 10? Is he going to be that main man? Is is he going to be the main man for Munster? Because if he's the main man for Ireland, the chances are he's going to play very little rugby for Munster this year. Yeah, we're yeah. sort of staring down the barrel of needing a massive season from Joey Carberry and it's not the first season that we've started off you know saying we need a massive year this year from Joey Carberry and like you know he can do that there's nothing to suggest that he can't you know he's been that player and I always like to think that he can be that player again you know whether or not we're sort of waiting for something that's never going to come I think if there was ever a time for him to prove himself he has this run now where there is sort of no one opposing him. You know, Ben Healy's not there anymore. Jack Crowley's away with Ireland. Bed yourself in, do it your way, make yourself the man and see, we see like what, what monster, because we didn't really see 
this monster at their best with Joey Carberry at 10 this season. The season just gone. Yeah. So it's a huge opportunity for that. Um, and then you add in the fact that Jack Crowley may not play 10 by stint of Munster's injury list at the moment. Mike Haley's out injured. Sean O'Brien is out injured. Um, Andrew Conway is out injured at the moment. I believe Patrick Campbell is as well, if I'm if I'm right in saying. Keith Earls everybody injured all the time? Has, hasn't signed a contract as as of yet, so he may not be involved in red this season. I know I'm not trying to be defeated, <laughs> but we may see Crowley as a fullback or as a centre. That's just the reality of it with Carberry at 10. You don't know. And to be fair, let's not forget that when Mike Prendergast at Rassing, he always had a second playmaker on the field. So if Munster lose Mike Haley, what's to say we don't see Jack Crowley at 15 as a stopgap measure? And then Joey Carberry is your 10. Yeah. I'm having a full existential crisis now because you listed off all those injuries. Ah, as soon as you said, as soon as you said, Keith Earls hasn't signed the contract. They're hyperventilating. <laughs> but that's what happens. Though. This is pre-season. It's not supposed to go right. Even if you beat the Barbarians in your first ever game against them, no, that's it's not easy. pre-season now. Though this is the actual season. Yeah, but listen, <laughs> it's not like we're playing like Leinster, the Stormers, and Glasgow and Ulster in the first seven games or anything. <laughs> Anyway, ask me ask me who I think is going to win the URC because I'll say Munster again. <laughs> if that's what helps you calm down, who's going to win the URC <laughs> this year? No, I think that there's I think that there's so much up in the air and the World Cup only adds to that. And like I said, not knowing what we're going to see from Ireland, like depending where they finish in the World Cup and who is playing rugby afterwards and who isn't and things like that. And there's, you know, who's injured, who isn't. Like there's so much... There's so many moving parts in this, you know, a, a season with a World Cup in it that you don't have to contend with normally. And I think that in a way, Munster have that sort of cushion of being URC champions because, you know, this coaching ticket have already done, you know, what the last three didn't to an extent. And they have that trophy. And obviously we want to see them kick on. But if this season is to be like a sort of a, you know, if they if they stay at the same level as opposed to kicking on again, this coaching ticket have time to do that. So that's a positive in that way. But like, obviously, there's just there's so much to contend with that we it's it's really hard to call anything really for any team. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And there's the old thing of Irish provinces the year after World Cup have been hit and miss. You know, yeah, Munster won Iron Cup, Leinster won Iron Cup, but. It, they've generally been patchy seasons. Um, there's that. We will. We we are run now a time here because it's been it's been good, but it has been lengthy as you'd expect for a se- season preview. So I want to get a few predictions. Um, firstly, Munster against the Sharks, round one of the URC in Thomond Park at five fifteen, I believe. Um, that one is. I just double check, so I'm not giving anyone wrong yeah. information. Yeah, five fifteen on TG Car in Thomond Park on Saturday night. Own firstly coming to you, who's going to win this, and how? Maybe just give us how you see that block going again as well, and the importance of this game. I I see Munster winning this. I think it'll be a little bit closer than we expect. Um, the Sharks don't travel in the set, uh, necessarily well, but they do bring a lot of physicality. They won't be as maybe impacted as we would expect from the the uh, box squad they still have some very good players and they they do bring a, an awful lot of beef with them <laughs> when they when they travel um, a, bit, a bit of spite as well which is quite fun 
Yeah, and I, I, I can see them. I can see them causing problems for us um, up front. Um, I'd be. I think having the likes of John Ryan back and being able to anchor out that scrum is a, a big, big deal. So that we're we're not under constant pressure. Um, I think overall this should be. I would hope. I'm going for a monster win, and I'm hoping that they can use that as a start to to win their home games in that in that opening block. Yeah, home games have been are crucial in leagues as always. I'm gonna say monster as well. I feel like they're just the kind of games that do go home advantage way, especially like at the tail end of a World Cup. You know, you've seen it before. Six Nations. Remember growing up, you'd have like, oh, Munster away to Cardiff during the Six Nations. Like, well, Cardiff won that, but it was at home and. I don't know, just a vibes kind of thing that I feel like home advantage, potentially even getting a bonus point out of this one. I feel like coaching staff will be looking for a fast start and we could well get it. Trisha, coming to you finally with this one, Munster Sharks call up. Yeah, no, I'd agree that I think Munster will come out the blocks. I don't think that we will see, you know, the first competitive game in Thoma Park in, what, seven months and not see a Munster win. I don't think, like, like I said, I don't think they'll blow them away I don't think it will be like a, a huge spread or anything, but I do think that it'll be a monster win. One thing I will just say before we, we close up on this, the thing to watch in it is the breakdown. Because if you look back to the, the European game that we played down in South Africa, the the counter-rooking from the Sharks took us to the cleaners, particularly out wide in that in the wider channels. If they can continue to do that, they'll cause huge problems and disrupt what Munster want to do in attack. If Munster can win that battle and get quick ball, should be an easy enough game for Munster. Well, I, I, we always want to see the best players playing against the best teams and all, but not facing even Etzebeth in the Holman Park is not necessarily a bad thing either <laughs> because he was immense in that game as well. Um, a couple of kind of lighter predictions. Firstly, Trisha, come to you first. Um, young player to watch or is there anyone that, that comes to mind for you? I mean it is really boring to just say Shay McCarthy and Brian Gleason, isn't it? Because I think everybody's looking at them. Like this I the age profile of Munster squad in general I think is really good. And like I spoke about Edwin the dog hole briefly earlier on and even the likes of Alex Cadellan and John Hodnan who have like definitely announced themselves at this stage but they're all still so young. Um I'll say Edwin the dog bowl for I just, oh God, I love him. I'm looking forward to seeing another another season from him. You know, he's bigger, he's a little bit older. He has that bit, little bit of experience from last season. And yeah, I think he's super exciting. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I'd say Thomas Ahern. Can we say Thomas Ahern's still young? He's only 23. Yeah. Thank yeah, He's still young. Owen, who, what young players you, are you excited to see? Um, Edwin Adogbo was uh, top of my list as well. I think he will have a huge opportunity this season, particularly with um, R.G. Snyman and Jean Klein. And uh, out, of contra- out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure we'll be able to hold on to both. And the way Munster operate with their front row, they require that big powerhouse behind. And I think that's suited for Edwin. I think he could be set up if he stays injury free. He could get a, a nice run of games as they look mm-hmm. to build towards that and plan for the future. Um, outside of that, I think there's two players maybe at a lower level, sort of academy level, that I'd like to keep an eye on. They're not necessarily going to get huge URC game time this year. One is Brian Gleason that you've spoken about, who's carried through his sort of under 20 form into the 
the senior level when, when I saw him against the Babas, he was doing the same things he was doing to under 20s players, to senior players. Just so that, so, that was quite impressive. Yeah. So big. <laughs> and the other one is actually uh, what you call it, Edwin's uh, brother, Sean. Sean, Sean yeah. Boy, yeah. I'm hearing, hearing so many positive things about that. He's still quite raw, still a lot to work on there, but I think he is one that, you know, if he develops properly, could become a huge player for Munster in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he's the kind of he's the power back row, but he also has incredible athleticism. You don't see that too often. Even in the modern game, you don't see that too often. In terms of senior players to look out for, I've split to senior just to open it to kind of the older cohort or younger, you know, senior players, senior contracts. I'll give you two examples that I want to see is Alex Kandelan and Joey Carberry. I feel like I'd be surprised if at least one of them aren't in the Ireland squad come springtime. I feel like mm-hmm. both of them are, are primed to go. Kandelan had concussion inju- issues and injury issues last year. Like we have to remember how good he was in his first year. Like he was so yeah. good. He was unbelievable against Toulouse, one of the best back rows in Europe that season. And then for Joey, I feel like he's He's going to come back confident. I feel like it's not wishing so. it into existence. I just think there was a swagger about him in preseason. I feel like he'll have a bit of confidence. He'll have time in the saddle. And probably if Munster do get off to a faster start playing good, attractive brand of rugby, it'll help that confidence as well. I'd love to see that from Joey. Um, I think that, you know, we're all, everybody who's watching Munster is sort of rooting for that to happen. And like, Yes, that's partly because it, it's really frustrating year on year that it hasn't been happening. But I think that, you know, you want the guys to go well. Um, I think for me, like Joey would be up there, um, you know, the likes of John Ryan and Stephen Archer as a tight head. Like, I just love that duo so much. I think that's so much fun. And they're both sort of players who, you know, we might have been guilty in the past of saying we're past their prime and we're sort of finished both of them at times and I don't think either of them are and oh, I just love them. There's actually no excuse for that other than I just love the two of them so much. Oh, and are you going to stick with with the props, which there's no such thing as too much prop praise in any podcast. I, I am actually going to, I'm going to venture way, way beyond my <laughs> my knowledge and remit here and I'm going to pull out Andrew Conway. I was going to say Andrew Conway, yeah. How did I forget Andrew Conway? I feel bad. Andrew, if you're listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) I think he's the forgotten man in this. I think, you know, um, if he can get fit and onto the pitch, I think his skill set and the the style um, of rugby that Munster are playing could be a brilliant fit. The trailing lines that he runs, I think if we can get him running off the likes of Frisch on the, you know, um, in the centres, I think the opportunities are there for him to really go back to where he was maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. You know, I agree. Uh, his his defensive work as, as well, I think will really, really suit what Munster do in defense. And I just think that if there's anybody in, if there's anybody in the game who I wouldn't bet against, it would be Andrew Conway. And I know that he hasn't played rugby in a long time and he's not as young as he was, but I just think that if anybody has it in them, to come back, like with a bang, I do think it's him. I just, I don't think there's anybody I miss watching play rugby more than him. I, I hope that he gets a good run this season. The other one, and I'll just name him real quick here, that I think could play a big role for months of this season, as, more as a squad player than anything else, is Rory Scannell. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because definitely. I think he he's going to be asked to to fill in at center. Um, and I you also think, think we'll see him at ten. I was going to say I think he's going to be yeah. a backup ten because I think um, with uh, Crowley out uh, or sorry being rested, I, I would imagine for long periods, you only have Carberry, and I th- there's there's a big drop down then even in terms of and I mean in, in terms of experience and game time down to the likes of Tony Butler and that. So I think you could see Rory Scanlon step in and I think he'd suit that style mm-hmm. um, that Munster want to play and I think he'll be an important player in terms of maybe some of the I don't want to call them lesser games but maybe some of the, the sort of the games around the sort of the uh, Six Nations or the rest yeah. periods that the Munster are going through. No but yeah. like they're all as important as each other and managing the squad in and around those games is a huge part of things like you know going far and winning these competitions like if they're not lesser games or they're they're important in a different way than obviously your your Leinster away and your Stormers etc but like you know they contribute to, you know f- you get four points for winning those games the same as you get four points for winning the other ones yeah absolutely just to speed things along myself Patricia already talked about the new signings last week so I'll just come to you on for this one of the new faces, yes, you can include John Ryan in this if you want to. <laughs> but himself, Sean O'Brien, Alex Nankiewell, and even just maybe one or two of the new lads in the academy. Who are you? Who's the signing or fresh face to watch? Uh, Nankiewell for me, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think he, he he's the guy. We can get him, get him up and up to speed as quickly as possible. I think he can fit in. I think he has the again. He has a good skill set that should fit in with this. They've obviously targeted him and this would be, I think, the first of the real big signings that will be done under Roundtree and Prendergast in in terms of fitting the the jigsaw pieces together. And they've obviously targeted him for a specific reason. I think he could be the way Munster play. He will offer that bit of physicality that they need, defensively solid, Um and will work in Munster's attacking structure in terms of um, both being, I suppose, solid, getting the ball wide and offering that nice foil for uh, Frisch in the centre. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that happening. Last fun one before we get into the one that can actually be held against us come the end of the season. Trisha, I feel like I know where you're going to go with this, but I want, to, I want a bold prediction out of you. Well, my bold prediction kind of ties in with the other two, so I can like a monster double. I mean, what's the what? What are we here for if we're not here to predict a monster double? Like, does it? There's nothing else that that I can envision happening this season other than that. So you can call it a bold prediction. I call it personally realism and uh, you know confidence and faith in 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 our in our team. But um, yeah, I think it'll be a monster double this season. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, have you as strong of a bold prediction as that? <laughs> I, I, I have, I have actually have two bold predictions, um, but they're gone in very different directions to where Patricia has gone with this. Um, my first one is I think they're finally going to uh, sell the naming rights to Thomas oh, this year. Oh, I can that is that, a bold yeah. prediction. I've, I feel, I feel like this is not a prediction. This is a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because I've heard the no. same thing a few times. <laughs> Look, that's been out on the table there for a long while, but I think this could be the season that it finally happens. Um, you know, if I'm, anybody from DHL is listening, I'm going to put it out here right now that all I want is one of the little vans that brings the kicking <laughs> tea on because I love them so much and I want one to bring stuff around my bedroom with. And I just feel like that's not an unreasonable request and somebody from DHL should 
recognize that. That's a very good one. And my second bold prediction is I believe maybe it, it could be linked to this that Munster will finally get the money to do it. I believe Munster are going to sign a, I will call it almost world class front row. Ah, here now. That's ridiculous. <laughs> We've been saying that for years. <laughs> Every no, can... year someone says that. <laughs> no, I, I can see that as well. I feel like it's it's a position they're going to look to target. They've fixed if... centre. So I feel yeah. like that's next. I think they either sign a hooker, top class hooker, or they go after a swing prop. Mm-hmm. As in both sides? Yeah, someone who can play both sides to to a a very, very good level. Oxen Shea in Tormund. That that Ah now you're you're getting me all riled up. I would love to see that. No, I do you know what I prefer? I'd love to see Oxen Jay walk into the supporters bar afterwards and sit down with a curry and a pint and just sit down and enjoy it. Because he, he No, he's he's, he's, he's sitting down with a bit of cake. But after the game you have to get some sort of protein into you as well. Never mind afterwards. He'd be in there beforehand for the curry. Yeah. That would we all <laughs> There's no point in asking Patricia what she thinks in terms of URC and Europe because it's always said we're going to do the double. I'm not, but I'm not being silly though. I do genuinely think that Munster can go all the way. We saw them do it, and I think that they are, if anything, better placed to do it this season than they were last season. Like nobody thought yeah. at the start of last season that they were a team that could go all the way because really they weren't. But I think that this season they are better placed to do that. Like I'm not, I'm not. I'm not just saying it for the sake of it. I do actually think that. Oh, no, they are. But the, the other side of it is three teams in the last like 15 years have done the double. And there's a reason for it. Very, very tough. I'm going to say. This year it will be four. Oh, I like that. I'm going to say. Oh, I've, I want to say we win a trophy, but I'm not 100% convinced it's going to be one of the major ones. I feel like it could be a, it could be a hubcap situation. Um, I'm gonna say URC finalist, and go from there, and semi-finals in Europe and lose to La Rochelle. I take that. I don't want to lose to lose again. I don't want to ever lose to Leinster, and I can't stand Saracens losing to La Rochelle. I'm like, that's grand. I I could take that. <laughs> you know, I love Raj. I've a soft spot for Ulton Delan, and everyone loves Dunica Ryan. So why not? On to to round things off. Where are Munster going to finish in the URC and in Europe? In Europe, I'm I'll I'll stick to it. I'm going to go semi final. I think they're they're still tier two in that. I also then think URC. I think they're going to finish fourth in the league standings, and I think that's going to get them to a semi final. And I think it's going to be too much to ask a squad to back up. Um, league titles year after year so I think semi-final in the URC knockouts as well I actually had them in brackets down as coming third but still getting to the yeah. final maybe that's too much as well but there was something about last year that was just I do think uh, that they will finish I do think that they will finish in the top four of the league standings this season I think that that should be a minimum expectation like they were close enough to it this season just gone and considering the way that that season started I think that it should be a minimum expectation that they will have that home playoff in the URC this season, for sure. Yeah, I, I, maybe this could be my ball prediction. I feel like we could get three Irish teams in the top four of the URC. I wouldn't be. I'm not overly sold of the direction that Ulster are going in. And I've said this on 
on Ulster podcast, but they just have a knack of just getting there thereabouts. So they could it well could, do that. It could be Connacht. It could. But yeah, I, but, I would have more confidence in Connacht coming through than I yeah, would. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it would anywhere confidence. It's more of a they've done but, this before, they've looked poor. He's just make he's just making shit up at this point. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> this podcast is all vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you don't have a podcast without vibes, where are you going? Like, you know, you, you literally talk about bread and little and Aldi at the start, like, you know, and it works for you and it works like it has been. Hooked. That is all we have time for tonight, even though we could definitely go on and talk about a little bakery and so on and so forth. But we won't. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And especially thanks for own for joining us tonight it's, it's been great to have you on and hopefully hopefully it won't be the last time we have you on as well we'll be back next week to look back on that season opener against the Sharks and to preview the round two clash with Rainbow Cup champions Benetton yes I will try and call them that as much as I can if you do like what you see you can follow us on Twitter you can subscribe here and if you do follow us on Twitter why not pop on and give us your predictions for the game on Saturday or your thoughts ahead of the episode three so Thank you again for everyone for listening. If you really like us, make sure to tell your monster supporting friends or your Irish should be supporting friends. And until next week, take it easy. <laughs>